Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello, Going There people. We really do need a name for our Going There listeners. Going There girlies. Our Going There girlies, our Going There gals, whatever you want to call but, yourself. And the guys. And the guys that listen, the few guys. I know maybe my husband's very sporadically. But anyways, we are here recording another interview today. Yes, guys, we are so excited to have Jenna Walker on. So welcome, Jenna. Hi, Jenna. Thank you. Guys, we met Jenna through our home church, actually, and her and her husband have been a part of our congregation there for a while now. And so Jenna and I kind of met, as you guys know, I work there. So we casually met and Jenna kind of offered up some part of her story. And so we have gotten to know her more now. And guys, I'm just super thrilled for this conversation and actually kind of makes me emotional even as we walk into it today. Just so honored and honestly humbled by Jenna's vulnerability just to share her story with us. So we are excited to jump in today. But Jenna, why don't you start off a little bit about talking to us just about yourself? What's your family look like, your life, hobbies? Let us get to know you a bit. Yeah. My husband and I met in March of 2009 and got married in 2012. We live here in Columbia. We moved to Columbia about a year ago, but we've been going to the crossing since 2011. So we have three children. We have a son who is five, a daughter who is three, and then another daughter who is seven months old. Busy Such mama. fun ages, yes. too. How many cups of coffee have you had today? This is my first one, and oh, let me wow. tell you, I am so excited. Yeah, you need to be sipping on that as you go. I'm going to say, chug it down. We won't judge. Yeah, so you stay home with your kids, right? Yes. And what do you like to do for fun? Do you like to go on walks? Are you into shows? What's your thing? Oh, man. So we, I would say hiking is a big thing for us. But I mean, I don't want to take us too far off the trail here. But two days ago, we went hiking after dinner in the evening and came back to the car and my daughter was itching. My husband looks down and he is covered in seed ticks. <gasps> Long no, story short. I just got the chills we, from that. Oh, it was awful. It was That's awful. so bad. We got ew, home ew, ew. and we all showered and we all came out okay, except my three-year-old was covered. I'm not kidding oh, you. Probably no. over 200. So two hours of laying still and like oh, being having them removed. So... That's I'm, terrible. That's Were you guys in like long pants and long shirts you or know, like shorts and We don't do smart things like that now. <laughs> no, it's fine. Well, also, it's the fine. middle I of the summer yeah, in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. And no, to be fair, too, we were on a trail that was mostly dirt. I mean, everything's dirt right now, but dirt and rocks and we weren't in the grass. It's we but do you know this all the like, time. Crawl up. Like, oh my even gosh, if you I'm itching. Pants and long shirts, I'm itching like, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, they like crawl up and find your knee like caps and stuff and or your knee like pits and You know stuff. what's crazy? <laughs> so gross. Growing up in Arkansas, I think this is weird. Just I say that because I guess where I'm from in Arkansas, there's a lot of hiking and outdoors things. I have never found a tick on my body. Isn't that crazy? Are you serious? And I'm like, maybe I just missed one over the years. But I mean, I don't think you like truly miss those eventually. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Be careful with ticks. I, I hate ticks. Like, I hate when you find them, like, days after, and they're, like, in your skin, and you're like, that's so gross that I've been doing life, Ugh. and this thing has been, like, sleeping with me in <laughs> yeah. bed. That's <laughs> happened a few times in my life, and I'm like, that's so Ugh. gross to me. It honestly makes me, like, Gosh. Okay, but that's a fun family activity. I'm yeah. proud of you all yeah. for getting yeah. out probably won't be doing, doing it any, again, <laughs> like, anytime yeah. soon. Your three-year-old is now terrified. Cooler. Yeah, when it cools off. 
There you go. Well, Jenna, I kind of what Christian was saying, I'm also, you know, excited, but also just, yeah, humbled for this conversation. And we don't want to kind of take this conversation lightly. It's fun to joke, but you know, this is your story and this is a lot of people's stories actually. And so we want to just go into this conversation just really gently and making sure everyone knows that, you know, this is a person's real life. So this isn't something we want to be kind of like, oh, let me get details of this situation. We just want Jenna to be able to share her story to kind of pull out the things that God did throughout her marriage and in this time of her life and where they are now and what God continues to teach them. Because I think whether an affair is a part of your journey or not in your marriage, like there's so much that we can learn from your story. And so Honestly, too, we might have friends that are walking through this or will walk through this. And so I think it's just really good to hear your wisdom and also to know that everyone's story with this situation doesn't look the same. So just kind of wanted to put that in and just thank you for sharing this, because I know it's probably not something that you're just like giddy to talk about all the time because you do like have a great marriage and, you know, we can get to all of that. But just thank you for being here. So. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So will you just tell us your story about what you and your husband have gone through in your marriage? Yeah. So like I said, we started dating. We met in March of 2009, but we didn't start dating until about the middle of 2010. And at that time, my husband had joined the military in that window of time and was supposed to be leaving for training. And things kind of got messed up on the military side of things. And he ended up staying home. And that's how we kind of got closer and started forming a relationship. So about a year into our relationship, he left for his basic training and AIT and things like that. So he was gone for about five months, I think. We ended up getting engaged in December of 2011 and married in September of 2012. And then his unit was called up for deployment. So he deployed in early 2013 and came back a year later in 2014 from Afghanistan. So while like kind of fresh in your marriage. Yeah, yes, very fresh in our marriage. And, and that's all kind of relevant to you know, building up to our story, there was a lot of time where we were apart. And that was hard for a new marriage. And that was a hard season to walk through. So we kind of had a, a little bit of practice on some hard seasons. But anyways, he came home. And shortly after he came home, we decided that we wanted to start a family. So we were working to get pregnant. And that process for us took a long time. And we really struggled with, I really struggled with that. Like, why is this taking so long? We saw doctors, both of us did. We didn't have any kind of a medical reason as to why we weren't getting pregnant. But then we did get pregnant and we got pregnant in September of 2016. And I remember telling my husband and we had had some issues in our marriage, like everybody does, just little things here and there. But it had been a hard season. And I think in my mind, I attributed it to we were stressed out from trying to get pregnant. We had a lot of things that were weighing on us. So I never really saw it coming. But there were little things that happened after I found out that I was pregnant that kind of cued me into something is not right here. And so we actually sat down and met with a pastor here at the church to kind of talk through that. And I think back to that time and God was in all of it. It is amazing to think about all the things leading up to that season of our life that really helped 
walk us through it. I remember that summer or earlier that year, Dave had preached, Dave Cover had preached a sermon on the lies that Satan tells you and really talked about like demonic presence. And that sermon was so impactful for me because we do not, as a culture as a whole, and then the way I grew up, we don't really think about or spend much time thinking about Satan, thinking about demonic presence, things like that. So that was something that was in my mind. And that was something that also came up in the meeting that we had with Dave Cover. A question came up in the meeting with Dave where he asked my husband, are you having an affair? And to me in that moment, I think I laughed. I think I laughed. I mean, it was so absurd to me to think that my husband would be having an affair. And of course, he immediately was, no, I'm I'm not having an affair. And Dave continued to unpack that. You know, are you having an, an emotional affair? Do you have feelings for someone who doesn't know it yet? And he continued to unpack that. And of course, at that time, it wasn't time for that to surface. And the answer was no. And we moved on. Mm-hmm. And at this time, too, just so because I like know a little bit of your story, too. At this point, you're just like, my husband is freaking out because he's going to be a new dad. I am just like, wow, I didn't know you'd freak out like this. But I guess it's like not that weird. But you right away pulled someone in that you're like, hey, we need help. We need someone else to like kind of help us like navigate how he's feeling our communication through that. And so even when Dave says that about the affair in this meeting, you're like, Okay, Dave, we're like not on that track. Like, what are you getting that from? You're just kind of like, no, that's not it. Like, let's move on. My husband's just freaking out about being a dad. Can you talk to him? Right. That's kind of where your head's at. I'm like going out and picking up books about new fatherhood, new parenting. What to expect when you're expecting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) That was the track that my brain was on. It was so much deeper than that. But yeah, I was totally not on that page yet. But then from that meeting, Dave had given us a prayer that was so helpful. He wanted my husband to pray it, and he wanted me to pray it for my husband. And it was just walking through basically spiritual warfare. And I, looking back, can see in the time period, so that the affair was eight months long. And obviously, I didn't find out about it until, you know, close to that eight-month mark and at the end of it, of course. And I can see the ways in which my husband was having spiritual warfare and really struggling with going back and forth between living two lives. I mean, even when we look back at the pictures of that time frame, he did not look well. I mean, sin had just really wreaked havoc on him. And it was shocking to see looking back in it. I couldn't see it at the time, but looking back, it's it's mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. I'm emotional. I want you to keep going, but I just want to say like, I'm emotional already because I think we just so often in our Christian walk, like forget how powerful sin in our life is if we are not dealing with it. And yeah, that like small sins and small things can just build into such a disaster. So it's just a good reminder and just powerful in you saying that. I mean, you said in those pictures, your husband physically looked different. I think we just really underestimate how sin can have a stronghold in our lives. And so I don't know, just as a moment, I just feel like, I don't know, like pressed to say this right now, like if 
there are sins and I'm speaking this to myself too, like even sins that you can write off as little sins or those kind of respectable sins in your life. Like, no, we're commanded in scripture to flee from sin and flee from temptation and just to really battle and take our sin seriously and take it to God. And so I just love how you said that, like it had really just taken him over. And so, yeah, you can finish your story, but I feel like that's important for people to kind of like think on for a bit. Right. And sin is never just personal. Mm -hmm. Like we think, you know, my sin, it's in my bubble. It's affecting me, but it's not. Sin goes beyond that and affects everybody. And it always has an effect on others. So, yeah. So looking back, I could see a lot of things. But in that moment, I I had no idea. So we're praying this prayer. My husband is at this point, really, really wrestling with something. And I can see it, but I don't know what it is. Just back and forth on a lot of things, like wanting to quit his job. Yeah, just just struggling. So fast forward, we get to the eight-week pregnancy mark, and we have an ultrasound, and we have small group that night. And I had just gotten a new phone, and I'm, I really have no explanation as to how these things happen. But I got a new phone and my husband had in years prior put his email on my phone. And when I got a new phone, the notifications, the way they were set up, everything had synced. And I the next morning woke up and clicked through my phone and the notification bar popped down and I see emails that are from a a woman that I don't know. And I'm realizing that they're not in my email account. They're in my husband's email account. So it starts hitting me. There's something going on here. Here's what it is. So I find out that he has been having an eight-month-long emotional and physical affair with a coworker at his job. And that just changed everything. Walk us through that morning. I want to give you time and space to kind of process that a little bit as you just say it out loud. But walk us through that morning. So you're finding that out and you said your husband has to leave work early. But what did you immediately do? What was your just like immediate reaction to, oh my gosh, like what do I do with this information? Yeah, I just sat there for a minute trying to process it. And then my immediate thought was, I'm going to go to a friend. So I went to, I had two very close friends and I called them up and I said, hey, I'm coming over. I need to come over this morning and need to talk to you guys. And I love that your friends dropped everything and we're like, of course, you know, come here. And it's good to note too, like you guys were involved in a small group and you guys were living kind of like the quote unquote Christian life, like going to small group, going to church. You had community, you had close Christian friends as this was going on. Thank God, you know. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I look back at that time and even just prepping for this conversation today, looking back at the friends that we had at that time, the conversations that we had, I still have some of the, you know, emails of advice that we had. And what a blessing our community was at that time. I don't know that things would look the same had we not had the crossing, the counselors of the crossing, Pastor Dave Cover, your family, our small group leaders. Oh my goodness. Our small group leaders were amazing. Our close friends in small group that we felt comfortable sharing our story with, and then our close friends and our family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's amazing. We'll talk more about that, just like obviously where you've seen God work and Mm -hmm. what you have kind of like learned from that. But one of the biggest things when Samantha and I first heard the story, I think both you and I looked at each other and we were like, well, you pulled people in that fast. Like you went to people that fast because you didn't sink into shame. Yeah. As like Samantha said at the very beginning of this podcast, we want to be really sensitive about this topic. We don't know everyone's story listening. And part of that being that, like, I think a lot of people may have this same experience, but never pull others in because of shame or guilt on their part or whatever that may be that they are kind of just hiding it to themselves and keeping it to themselves. And that's one thing hearing your story. I'm like so in awe of just God's provision over your life of you feeling like I need to pull others in. I need to go talk to a pastor right away. Something's up in my marriage. I need to go tell this friend right away where you could have just like sunken back into a hole and yourself just been like, no, I can't share this with anyone. It's so embarrassing or so Like, I just can't believe it's happening right now. But you immediately brought others in, which is just amazing. And just as other Christians, like, like, may we be like friends and women and Christians in general that would be open and not, I don't know, I think in Christian context, this can be something that has like a really bad stigma or like, how could they ever, you know, and so could we just be people that have such open arms to listening and taking people in and saying like, hey, I'm here for the restoration of your marriage and here for whatever support you need. And I'm not, you know, I think it could have just been easy for your friends to maybe say like, okay, well, here's what you need to do. You need to like X, Y, and Z, but they were really, it sounds like from parts of your story you've shared with us before, just like very, we're here. Like, what do we need to help you do and help your husband as well? Like we're here for both of you in this. And so I think that that, like that makes me emotional because for people to be able to see him in that moment as not just this like, okay, we're done, you know, you're forever written off now as like, there could be hope for this and we're going to support both of you. So yeah, talk us through that a little bit. We've heard part of your story. So you go to a friend, you tell her, you start processing that. What does it look like telling others in your life? What did that look like kind of over that time now fighting this Like now you know the truth of what's happening. What does the next like few weeks and months look like? Yeah, so that's such an important piece. Definitely need to talk about that in terms of who you tell and going forward, who you tell. So in that moment, you're really hurt. And I was really angry. There was parts of me that I wanted people to know, like this, this is what's going on. But at the same time, you don't want your circle to be huge for a lot of reasons. For one, if your spouse has any desire to repent, the less they have to face that every day with the shame, And with having to repair the relationships with other people, the focus should be repairing the relationship between the spouse. If you're willing to forgive your spouse and to, you know, let go of the anger and be oriented on fixing your marriage, that's between the two of you. Everybody else doesn't have a right to be angry or to be, you know, heartbroken with that person. I really liked that. I thought that was powerful because that's like a shock a little bit. I think of how our culture would think of like, no, I do have a right to be mad. Like if, you know, if you were walking through that as my friend, I'd be like, I'm going to go like tell him I'm I would. I mean, you know, I would want to like have a word with him. But yeah, you just want you want your circle to be small. You want to 
have your circle, keep the confidence of what's going on. And then you also want someone that's going to love your spouse and celebrate with him when he repents and does or she repents and does what is right. You want someone that's going to be on both of your side, not someone that's going to be you know, planting further dissension in your marriage. So that was one thing that I found out very quickly and was really lucky that I kept my circle small. When I called Pastor Dave Cover that morning, that was one of the things that he said to me, but also just something that was so helpful for me in that beginning is you immediately, I immediately started fixating on what does she have that I don't? And Dave reiterated to me several different times, this is not between you and her. This is not between you and your husband. This is between your husband and God. Your husband is being held captive to do Satan's work right now. And it's not about you. Don't be taken captive. Keep this vertical, not horizontal. That was something that the crossing had been preaching a lot on that summer and that fall leading up to this discovery in my life was looking at your life with a vertical perspective, not the horizontal. So what it really drilled down to and what I had to really wrap my mind around was this is between my husband and God. This is a reflection of my husband's relationship with God. This is not a reflection of me or what I have done or what I could have done better or mm-hmm. who I could be as his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jenna, I really am so honored that you like just share these things with us because I've told you this before, but that is just like so beautiful of just your heart and how God has worked in you to recognize that, to be able to say that now. That's just really really Mm -hmm. awesome. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So you are just, you know, in this lowest probably point in your life, figuring all this out with people alongside you guys. But walk us through then what did the rest of your story kind of look like? Tell us what happened after that. Yeah. So I ended up pulling in my parents and telling them and we are pregnant, right? But we hadn't told anybody. So this news of hey, I'm pregnant is also coming with, hey, our marriage is broken, which was a really, really hard season. But also I am so grateful that it was orchestrated that way. I don't know that, I don't know that in that moment I could have controlled my anger to allow our marriage to get to the point where we were able to fix it. I think I probably would have set everything on fire. I think the pregnancy really helped orient how I was going to respond and was enough of a distraction, if you will, I think is maybe an odd way to put it, but a distraction that kept me focused on more than just myself and my husband in that moment. So going forward, I told my parents One thing that was really helpful with the circle that we had at the time were that night when my husband came home from work because he didn't. And that was another thing that was really hard. My husband didn't come running to me right away. He worked a full day. He came home later that evening. And my thought process in this was, we'll get this fixed tonight. Like, we'll be better. He's sorry. He loves me. It's going to be okay. And guys, it was 
It was not like well, that. Well, you've talked about that too. Your personality is like, I can control this. I can fix yes. this. Surely, mm-hmm. like, I'm capable. I, like, we can do this. Not a problem. Yeah. That was kind of like, obviously, you're grieving, but then you're like, oh, we got it. It's fine. We'll right. fix and it. like the finding out, you would think, you know, okay, they're going to like snap into reality and be so sorry and just like be begging for me at their knees. But I also think, again, pointing back to shame, I'm thinking through like, oh, that probably felt horrible that he wasn't like racing home from work to figure all this out. And I'm like, he must have just been literally so controlled still by that sin and that shame he was like wow this is all over now and I have to like deal with this this. yeah yeah Yeah, and we talked about this too recently like what was going through your mind at that time and for him one thing was I've done this awful thing like this is the worst thing that I can do in a marriage and I'm never going to come out of it like you're never going to truly forgive me you're going to say you forgive me, but our marriage is never going to look the same. And I don't know if I want to live in that. So that was one thing that was really, really hard for him. The shame too. I mean, there's so much shame. And one thing that we learned was that shame is not from God. Like you can feel guilt and you can repent, but living in shame, that's not helpful. That's not from God. So he comes home from work and we talk and At some point in the evening, my parents come over and my closest friend at the time came over and their reaction was not to yell at my husband. It was not to shame him further. Their reaction was to greet him with hugs and tears and sit down and hold him and pray. And that was such a powerful moment for me. I knew that my parents had my back, but at the same time, I knew my parents had my husband's back. And my dad even said, I'll never forget this. My dad said to him, you are my son. You are not my son, but you are my son. I love you. We can get through this. Wow, you have amazing parents. I'm like (sighs) sitting here crying like, wow, just like the restraint that would take and the humility on their part to say like, we're going to love this man. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine with a friend or a family member having that same response. Like I think I would maybe get there after I had some really harsh words, but that's just like such a picture of God's grace and them being obedient in that and reflecting that so beautifully. Yes. I don't even want to say we were lucky. We had God. God was the difference there. Our faith and our community in our faith, that was what made the difference in people's response with their heart and not with their emotions. And that was just something that was so helpful for us at that time. We even had, and I look back at this now and it's so crazy, but I had a friend who was, we actually found out we were pregnant the night that we came home from taking some of our closest friends dinner from coming home from the hospital with their newborn son. So we're like two weeks out from her having a newborn. They pack up and drive from Columbia to where we live in Moberly and come to our house in the evening and spend time with us, just letting my husband know that we are on your side. If you will repent and do what is right, we are here for you. So that was just, and I think about that now with three kids, like what that took. And even my closest friends, they both had four kids that were all school-aged at the time. They really put their lives aside. I mean, there was a period of a week or two where my husband would leave for work in the morning. I could not get out of bed. I could not eat. They would come over 10 minutes after he would leave in the morning and get me out of bed. 
lay with me in my bed and then get me out of bed, cook me meals, feed, like spoon feed me. It was, guys, it was just thinking about that. I mean, it was awful. It was awful. But I had friends that were there with me in that time. And that was so impactful. And my husband had friends that were there for him in that time. And that was so impactful. I love that you shared that part of the story because I wanted to bring that up if you didn't, because I think it's good to hear, obviously, on the, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You've said that multiple times as we've talked, and now it's easy to look back and see things, you see God's hand in it. But in the middle of it, I want to say this for the person who's maybe in the same situation feeling like, wow, like, obviously, you know, none of us want to be in that situation. But like some people could be hearing this and being like, wow, like her parents were so nice. And like she had all these friends. Like, what if I don't have that? And like, I can't get out of bed. And you're saying like, no, there were weeks that I literally couldn't get out of bed. I mean, you said you lost like tons of weight because you literally couldn't eat. There were times your parents, you'll like tell more of the story, but there were times your parents were like, okay, I think you need to be done. And so there were times that like, this was really, really hard. It wasn't this like hopeful. Yeah, yeah, it was messy. It was not this like hopeful, blissful, like I can always see the best thing of him all the time. This is your now hindsight kind of idea of what you were experiencing. And I'm totally the person, and I think a lot of it is our culture too, but I am an immediate gratification kind of girl. Like, okay, this is the problem. Let's get this fixed and then tomorrow we're going to wake up and everything is okay again and we'll share our testimony and we'll we'll, we'll, like lead others walking through this and it'll be our beautiful story yeah Mm, no that's not how things went and that was really hard for me but looking back oh i'm so grateful for the long haul because of everything i was able to learn in that time frame it was just it was really good yeah how did you in that you know, that pain and that grief, like how did you stay hopeful for your marriage, for restoration for your marriage? One thing that I did right off the bat was I got in my Bible. I mean, I'm home. I can't go to work. I don't want to face anybody. I'm trying to keep my circle small so I'm not talking to people. People, my coworkers are reaching out like, where are you? Are you okay? Like, this is not normal. So I'm really holed up at home and I get in my Bible and I start reading scripture and pulling out scripture based on the situation that I'm in and meditating on scripture. I'm writing cards out and sticking them on my bathroom mirror. I'm sticking cards in my car. I'm sticking cards in surfaces of my home. Like they were everywhere. But that was one thing that really just was so good for that time period was that was the first time in my life that things hadn't gone as planned. And I turned to God. And that was my comfort in that time. And it grew my relationship as a Christian. It grew my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this in a lot of episodes. We all would not come out and say we want to walk through suffering. It's actually something I think as Christians we probably avoid. And it's interesting because in Scripture, we've said this again on this podcast a lot, like, Why do we think that? Because in scripture, we're told it's not if you walk through suffering, it's like when you walk through suffering, you will walk through hardship and suffering. But I think we just maybe it's our culture, this like, yeah, this American Christianity of like, no, if I have God with me, you know, I can live this safe, protected life. And it's been true for me. And I think a lot of people that when we are faced with this just worst bottom pit of my life moment, like that has been when I have seen God at his complete fullness when I have been able to experience like such richness in life. And like, like you said, you know, it's so weird and it's hard to kind of fathom why it is that way. But 
I would never take those hard days away. And I think I've heard you say that because that's when I, I'm like, no, I need God to, yes, step out of my bed right now. Like, I don't think I can sit up and get out if I don't have him with me. And so it's talking through like, yeah, there's days that I, I need God more days than others. It's like, no, there were times where I needed God more like minutes than others. Like every single minute I need you to get me, you know, into the next room or the next step. And so... I don't know. I think that we've said it again before, but we just want to reiterate, like, we can't be scared of hardship. It's where sometimes the riches are. And that's also where God wants to use us and stretch us and grow us and know him deeper. Can I say something really shocking? Yes. I am so grateful that my husband had an affair. Now, what I'm Mm. not saying with that is if your marriage is really struggling or you need your spouse to wake up and have a hard reset, go have an affair. Right. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Don't do that. There's Don't other paths to, that. to take. There's other ways to kind of get that wake up. Yes. You know, there are so much that won't cause ways. as much damage and pain in the process. Right. But having been through it, not able to control it, that is what God knew. Not that God told my husband to have an affair. I don't want that to come across that way either. But that was what I needed to wake up and realize that there are things that are not healthy about you. There are things that are not healthy in your marriage. You guys need work. And it really set us off into deeper into our faith. And it really is what brought my husband to God. My husband was really struggling with who is God and am I a Christian? And through this, he was able to work on that vertical relationship with God. Our counselors had him read books by Tim Keller, The Meaning of God and Making Sense of God. I think were the two. Those were game changers. This event was a game changer in my husband's spiritual walk and my spiritual walk and really changed who we were as we came out the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to us about what that looks like. So you, in this time, you're talking about you're digging into scripture. You are leaning in God. When is your husband's kind of reality set in of like, what does the next few months look like for you all as you have your baby and move forward and like life also happening yeah. while all this is happening in your marriage? So, of course, you know, you are having an affair and the affair is eight months old. It doesn't just quickly wrap up overnight. I mean, it wrapped up pretty quickly, but there was a a wrestling back and forth with my husband of ending that life and coming back to one that now was really, really hard. And there were a lot of things that I wrestled with, too, in that time of I want to love him really well and I want him to know that he's safe here and I want him to feel love every time he comes home. So I was working so hard to be this wife who he came home to and he was comfortable and he was loved. And that wasn't really helpful either. There was a lot of growth that needed to happen for both of us. So we both had decided that we were going to stay in this marriage. We're going to fix it. And we started out on that path. But it was a really long path. We were in counseling for a while, but it got to a point where we just weren't progressing in counseling. And so our counselor dismissed us. And that was a really, really hard thing to walk through. I mean, he did it in love and he gave us resources to go forward, but it was, it kind of reached a point where he needed to see more commitment on probably both of our sides, like my side for realizing like what things 
I contributed to the affair, even though I didn't cause the affair to happen. I'm obviously a party in the relationship. And there are things that I'm contributing to the marriage that make it vulnerable for an affair to happen. So we were really lucky to have counseling, but then that kind of went away and we were given resources to kind of push forward and work on things ourselves. I was in a support group with other women, which was helpful, but I wasn't super plugged into that right away. So then our our son comes along and those of us that have been parents, I mean, that is not an easy task, bringing home a newborn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was such a joyous time too. Don't take that the wrong way. I'm so, we love our son and it was such a, a great time. But that really changed who my husband was and who I was too. So we were just kind of, I was not making things easy for him and I wasn't handling my things well. One thing that I learned really, really quickly after my son was born and things were kind of off the rails were boundaries. I did not have good boundaries. And I was trying to handle my recovery, but I was trying to orchestrate my husband's recovery too, like giving him a checklist of this is what I need you to do. And that was not helpful. So we ended up getting to a point where he says, you know, I think we need a trial separation. And he leaves. And my son at the time, I think, was like seven weeks old. And at that point, that's when I hit my anger stage. We had had a lot of up and down, back and forth, and I was really frustrated in that process. But when he left, I got angry. And that's whenever I said, I'm done. And I set an appointment with an attorney, and the appointment with the attorney was a couple weeks out, and I had resolved, I'm filing for divorce. And that was really scary, but that really was a game changer for how things progressed from there. And just so like we're clear, you weren't saying that because he's leaving, because he says, hey, we need to get, we need to separate for some time. You're not saying like, well, I want a divorce in a spiteful way. You're not coming back like, well, this is my response. That's like where your heart and mind were at. You were like, okay, well, if we're dismissed from counseling, our counselor's telling us, hey, I need to see progress in you both. You're saying you were at a place that you're not really, you're not really seeing your kind of like part in it yet. Your husband's not willing to also come in and say like, this is what I need to work on and you don't see him doing this stuff. So all this compiles to like, okay, well, maybe the best option is for a divorce. Like that's like heartbreaking to me, but you're at this place that you're like, no, I do think that's actually best for us in our marriage. Yes, correct. It wasn't coming from a, I'm going to show you or a spiteful way. It was time for me to lay out some clear boundaries of, I cannot do this back and forth anymore. Like this is my hard line in the sand and I'm done. And I think this is a good time to say, like whether you want to say biblically or in your community, like People would have supported if that was the decision you made. And if you're hearing this and walking through this and your similar situation ended that way, and I shouldn't even say ended, but like that's just how it turned out. We also are sitting here saying like that for a lot of people might be the best, safest, smartest decision to make for maybe you and if you have children involved. And because there gets to be a point, I know this from other like friends that have walked through this or stories I've heard where you can't make that other person want to keep fighting for a marriage. And so, you know, when they are continuously, and I'm not saying your husband did this, but if someone is saying like, you know, I'm not willing to put in the work that you are, that is a time to say, okay, then I'm going to have to grieve this. And even though I wanted nothing more than reconciliation, like I have to move on from this. Yeah. And there is, I mean, there is abundance in life 
Whether you are married, whether you're divorced, the abundance in life doesn't come from the relationship and how it defines you. The abundance in life comes from God. And that was one thing that I really had to struggle with is I can divorce my husband and walk away from this and still live an abundant life. I had to really let go of my marriage as an idol. I had to really focus on, okay, who am I when I am not my husband's wife anymore? Who am I and what is my worth? So that was a a big season of learning hard things for me and a lot of growth came out of it. And so as I dismiss him and let go of the things that were not mine to control to begin with, I really start doing some work on myself and I'm no longer worried about what he's doing and what his work looks like. So I start really plugging into support group. I'm learning things about enmeshment and boundaries and codependency. And I'm seeing the ways in which I am not a healthy individual. Like I contributed to where we are at in our marriage. I contributed to the scenario that we're walking through. And so I start really growing and focusing on myself. Meanwhile, my husband is now facing the consequences of his decisions and it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. So he immediately decides that he's going to leave his work environment, which his work environment was, it was, that was a really tough place for us. It was a really tough place for him. Whenever we we talk about Dave Cover talking about the demonic side of things, I truly believe that where my husband was working, there were and are demonic forces there. There was recently a 2020 episode of a scenario at his work where a guy was living a duplicitous life, had a fiance, had a wife, and murdered his fiance because he didn't know where to go with his his double relationship. So, I mean, this was the environment that he was working in. And but he held, he loved his job. He had been promoted a couple of times and he was respected at his job. He didn't want to leave it. So that was a hang up in our relationship. But once we separated and started doing our own work, God opened his eyes to the ways in which his environment was not conducive to where he wanted to be as a husband and a father and a Christian. And he ultimately decided to leave that job. And he applied for a job where the leadership from the top down has a Christian background. It's not a Christian business, but there are ethics in this business that are oriented towards family values. And he was so lucky to get a job with that company. And that was a big game changer for us too, was who he was surrounding himself with. So during this time, he's kind of starting to make these changes and maybe starting to pursue you a little bit. You're still doing your work and you're still keeping those boundaries, but he is showing you this big change in his life. Yeah, there were big changes that were happening. I look back, I had a couple of text messages that I saved and I was looking at last night and kind of preparing for this interview. And I said, in this time, all these things that are happening in those weeks, I'm like, who is this man? He changed completely. God changed his heart. God changed the direction that he was on. And I'm so grateful. We have not shared our story widely. Like this is the first time that we've really talked about our story. And there are people that are in his life now that would probably think that we are making this up because my who my husband is now is so different than who my husband was then. And he is just the most incredible 
incredible man and father. And we were really lucky that God used that to really change the path that we were on and change who we are in life. Yeah. It's so good to hear this story and even just, yeah, even see you guys as a family now. We've obviously talked a lot about what God has taught you just through this whole thing, but what are some lessons that you guys really kind of like hone in on through the story? And what does that look like in your marriage now? Walk us through some of that. I think the biggest thing is I don't look to my husband anymore to define who I am. I know who I am in Christ. And what a burden I have lifted off my husband to know that he is not the person that is responsible for, you know, my happiness, my joy, who I am. That has just freed up so much space between him and I to be able to operate without just that pressure that yeah, you have. The pressure had, yeah. to operate without the pressure of knowing that my husband is not trying to fill a God-sized hole in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which sounds so, obviously, it's easy to say that now, but I'm like even thinking in the dumb ways that I do that now in that like if my husband is like, mad or just like upset on an evening, I'm like, well, you're ruining our night. I'm like, your bad attitude is like wreaking havoc at our home tonight. I'm like, what is my problem? Like, I can't just let him feel or be like, I need his emotion to fill my emotion. And I'm like, wait, that's actually so messed up. If like I do that in small ways, am I doing that in big ways? That that's just really awesome. Obviously, affair or no affair, I think every marriage needs that lesson of just like, no, like your spouse cannot fulfill something they're they're never meant to fulfill. They're like an imperfect human, just yeah. like you are. And even though like when you're in a marriage, yes, our decisions and our actions and our feelings and thoughts like do really strongly affect one another. But I think it goes back to not even the outward, like, okay, in a bad mood, it's affecting our family, more like the inward heart of like, but am I putting my hope in, you know, like, if my husband's walking through something, do I look at that and say, like, my world and my relationship with God and my life is being shattered by what you're processing or going through? Or just in general, like, do I put all my hope in the fact that I have this marriage and I'm loved and supported by this man more than I am, like, running to God for things in my life to fulfill me? And I think that's a lot of us maybe hear that and are taught that in premarital counseling, like, hey, you can't put your husband on the pedestal, like, where God's supposed to be in your life or your wife both ways. It goes both ways. You know, your spouse can't be this like idol. And I think it's easy for us to say that and acknowledge that's true. But in little ways, like how we do that, it looks so different for so many people. Maybe that's, you know, I have friends who are all over the spectrum on how they handle things in their marriage. So Christian and I have talked about this a lot because we're different in it. Maybe like, you know, I think it can go both ways where it can be like really hostile, like maybe both super verbal arguers or people who tend to brush things under the rug because they're so scared of like rocking the boat in any way. And then it's like years of resentment builds up. And yeah. so I don't know what that was for you guys, like how you fell in that category. But I've heard other people who have walked through similar situations say, I didn't know my spouse. I won't put it on husband or wife because I think it can go both ways. Like I didn't know my spouse was actually miserable for the past 10 years because we just didn't talk about things or we like, you know, I was always the one coming at him and he never kind of gave back what he felt about me, but like that I was, was always us. Yeah, that was us. And that was one thing that was really hard for me to swallow in the beginning was we were immediately recommended to read a book called Torn Asunder by Dave Carter. And it's a book that's on recovering from an extramarital affair. That was so hard for me to swallow in the beginning, learning about the different types of affairs. There's four classes of affairs. His was 
an emotional affair. And his was caused by being conflict avoidant. So there were things that the book was talking about. Like, I remember the one thing that jumped out at me was like, is your your spouse feels like a clanging bell or a buzzing bell? I'm trying to think of what the verbiage was in the textbook. And that, guys, that hurt me. I'm like, wait, I contributed to this? I mean, that's where I started from was this realization that, wait, I'm involved. I own some of this. And walking from that all the way into, you know, walking through the whole thing, it just grew and grew from there. And it was really eye-opening, but it was really rich too. And that was that's another sweet thing that came out of this was it really forced me to learn and to dig in. So we read a couple of different books together and then separate. One thing that was really helpful for me in the beginning of repair was Boundaries in Marriage, a book by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And in our support group too, we unpacked a lot of principles in that book, but that was something that was really helpful to me. And then after my husband left and I decided to file for divorce, things kind of slowed down as he started making really big changes. And we set some boundaries to basically time was my friend in that instant. Like I needed, with no trust in the relationship, I needed time to rebuild that trust with him. And so we set out some hard boundaries and a timeline of, okay, this is what it's going to take for me to not file for divorce and for you to be able to move back into our home and for us to be operating as a married couple again. And so a book that really helped me through that time was Beyond Boundaries, which is learning to trust again in relationships. And that's also by Dr. John Townsend. So plugging into, you know, these resources were a really sweet part for me. What I didn't know at the time that I was going through all this and what a blessing it was walking out of it was I was going to have a very close relationship in my life that was going to be walking through a different but very similar situation a couple years down the road. And so I was able to come alongside that person and know exactly what they were feeling and exactly what they were going through and to help, you know, help in that situation. And that was something that was really sweet that came out of it for us too. I think one thing that's important to say too is when I say that I contributed to the ways in which my husband had an affair, I don't mean that I'm responsible for my husband's sin, that I didn't make it okay for him to have an affair. What I'm saying in that is that we obviously are in a marriage. We're in a relationship and relationships and marriages are messy. They're hard. There are hard things that happen. His choice to step outside of our marriage and have an affair was on him. But there are ways in which I contributed to the mess of our relationship that made it vulnerable for an affair to happen. I didn't force him to have an affair. He chose to have an affair. But I own the mess in the relationship, in the marriage. Yeah. And I think in hindsight, you know, we all, those of us who are married or any relationship, 
there's so many things, you know, if my husband and I walked through that right now, I could look back at certain unhealthy patterns that we have in our marriage and say like, well, that probably contributed. And so this is also to say like, we all have things we can be working on and not shying away from those things. Like you had said before, you were kind of like conflict avoidant or you both were, you know, I sat down with a girl a few weeks ago who was kind of newly married and, you know, about a year into her marriage and she was just being really vulnerable. Like, I'm worried we're going to get divorced. Like, we're having all these issues. And so I was like, okay. And she started explaining what these issues were. And I was like, kind of just smiling, thinking like, you know, we are kind of taught this lie of in a Christian marriage. Yes, there's going to be little like arguments here and there, but you know, big issues, you would handle them in this perfect way. And it's like, actually, no, a lot of marriages are really messy. And a lot of people, if they're not honest about how they're messy, maybe they are avoiding some of the big things that are like deep down those more surface level arguments. And so I'm not saying that you should just be okay with your marriage being like in an unhealthy way and not wanting to grow in that. But I think we can also like, don't be so afraid when big things come up in your marriage. Like, don't be afraid and just like want to jump to fixing them right away or to avoiding them, but kind of press in and say like, no, this is part of this forever long relationship that we've committed to is that we're committing to walking through the hard things, even when they don't like fit the mold or sound what people are like, what people are sharing in like a Christian small group Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I think that's how like God also works on our heart and minds to also humble us to say like, yeah, when my husband and I are in an argument, even though like maybe I didn't necessarily say or do anything in that like situation of the argument, but I'm like, there are for sure ways that I played into that because it's a relationship. And I think that's part of how God refines us and makes us more holy people as we can recognize our own sin and our own part that we maybe played in just the dynamic of the emotion that's happening in that moment. Well, and look at, I'm saying this to myself, look at your life and look at where you have sin. How comfortable are you with your sin? Get uncomfortable with your sin. My husband didn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to go have an affair today. Like, that's not how things work. We don't wake up one day and then just detonate our lives. It's sin that we choose over time that builds and builds. The more comfortable you are, the more it's going to grow and fester and take over. And that's something that I've walked away really thinking about is what are the areas or what, what is the sin in my life that I'm getting comfortable with and what will it lead to down the road? Yeah, when we're vulnerable about our stories, you know, within the right context, we're able to then, yeah, help other people because so many people are going through similar things in life. This applies to anything, but we're so just tied down by our shame that we don't want to speak up in a small group and share the thing we've been struggling with, or we don't want to admit to sin that we've been living in. But we're not realizing sometimes that the girl across the room could be walking through the same thing. And that's why God created us in community to be able to bring these things up together and to encourage and support one another alongside. So I'm thankful that you're sharing your story today and that you have obviously already shared it in close contacts to help people in your personal life because that's so important. Mm -hmm. And I love too, like throughout your entire story, we already talked about pulling other people in. But even that, as you mentioned, so many books and so many resources that you and your husband went to work on. I mean, you were like, this is going to take work. This isn't going to be something you mentioned time being your friend that feels probably so uncomfortable for some people because none of us like to just sit and wait. But even in that waiting and in that time, you're not just sitting there being stagnant. There are days and maybe moments that you're like, no, I just need to sit and pray and not do, you know, for sure for your personality. But then there are days and times that you're also like, no, I, I need to go do some work. Like I need to read this book. I need to have this conversation with someone. I need someone to challenge me and pray for me. And so you're doing a ton of work. And I love that you guys both said at a certain 
certain point of this whole story, you're like, no, it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of work. And we're both down for that. And I just think really cool, just testimony to what you guys did and how you kind of handled that whole situation. You have mentioned being thankful. You mentioned that earlier, but you've said like, oddly, I'm so thankful that my husband had this affair. Talk to us about, so like, why do you feel like you can say that? What has brought you to that point in just your story in your life and your marriage? Yeah, I like I said, I, I really think that it took something that explosive for my eyes to be opened to what needed change. And that was monumental for our marriage, including the trial separation, the, you know, being left to face, okay, this is this is where I'm going with this. I'm I'm gonna be divorced. I'm gonna be a single mom. That was eye-opening to know like I'm gonna be okay. I am not going to wither away because I'm not I'm not married to this man. It really provided the ability for me to be comfortable with who I was and look to God for my meaning and look to God for relationship before I'm looking to my husband. And then for my husband's side of things too, we even talked about this recently, was he went down that path and he said one of the things that was really impactful for him was Keith Simon here at church told him, like, think of other women and the the allure of other relationships like a really great apple that has a razor blade inside of it. It looks really good on the outside, but things aren't going to go well for you once you dive into it. So for my husband, that lifestyle is not attractive. That temptation, I'm sure, is still there in some aspects, but now he's better prepared to guard himself against things like that. But for us, we know that we are in it for the long haul. Our marriage, we're not tempted to exit. And there have been hard things that we've walked through since then that we were able to say, we're in this together. We have each other's back. The trust is there and we can make it going forward. We want to make it going forward. So many things in that, because I think when you talk about like the apple with the razor blade, take it outside of the context of marriage. Like if you're not married right now, or that's not something you struggle with, like, what is it for you? Is it that constant wanting more materially, like a new house, a new car, like always striving or wanting more? Is it in relationship with like friendships? Like, is it never being satisfied with the people in your life that God has given you or just feeling like you're constantly striving to please or impress? Or is it, yeah, in your job, the striving or yeah, just all the ways that this world tells you this is going to be good. This is going to be better. Come over here. Come over here. Look at this. I see that you're greener. The grass is greener. Oh, that little bit of unhappiness you're feeling when you're walking through a hard season. Yep. That's actually, that's revealing this deeper thing. You need to leave that job or that marriage or that friendship or that whatever. When it's like, no, maybe sometimes we're just needing to press into what hard things come into our life because there's lessons to be learned in ways that God wants to teach us and grow us through them. And we just have to realize that instead of just like fleeing to the next brighter, shinier apple whenever it comes along. And so that's convicting for me. And I think for all of us, whether this is your story, whether it will be a part of your story, or this is not something you ever have to experience, that's the lesson in it. This can apply to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, Jenna, we are so thankful that you are just willing to open up like this. Thank you to your husband as well. I know, obviously, you guys have talked and prepared and prayed over this conversation, and we will be doing the same. And so we hope that this was, again, encouraging if this is a part of your story or not. We think there are lessons that we can all learn here. And so thanks so much for joining us today and just being willing to share. We really, really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.